And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 136, aka season 2, episode 4, uh, on the LRN.FM network. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... M. Wait, just M, not MC? Uh, what happened to MC? What did you do with him? I didn't do anything with MC. MC's in Thailand having a beautiful vacation, enjoying the sun. That's right, everybody. MC hopefully will return next week, and because he's gone... Uh, we will be operating one more time as podcast only, uh, but next week, hopefully he'll be back joining the show, and at that time, we will give out the phone numbers so you guys can call in and tell us what is going on with you, uh, but for now, what is going on with you this week, M? I'm exploring Bitcoin, so I've been signing up for different exchanges and trying to get verified, which I find very impossible to do. See, now we know MC likes Bitcoin. Uh, what is your fascination with Bitcoin, M? I think it's a new technology that will take root in the world. And it's also very accessible unless you're going to an exchange. And then things kind of get complicated. All right. So uh, I, know, I know, again, MC likes to talk about Bitcoin and you're, I guess, a fan of Bitcoin. Um, so this is the anarchist experience. Uh, how do you relate your fascination with Bitcoin uh, to ending the state uh, and, and government as we know it? Well, I'm new to anarchy and I've been learning about it over the last couple years. How I see Bitcoin, I guess, ending the state is it kind of just supports the decentralization of government. Go on. In all honesty, I don't really think about that. What appeals to me about the Bitcoin is just watching the investment grow. So I feel like I'm in control of my own investment. I get to watch the numbers go up and down. Uh, and up and down and up and down and up and down? Yeah, but it's a learning experience. I mean, there's not a lot of opportunities out there, at least I think, where you can easily sign up for an investment and have this much play with it. So it's not run by the big corporate banks and, and corporatocracy that runs the state, mostly. Uh, this is something for us smaller peons uh, to put our money into. Is that kind of where you're going? A, a little bit. I think it's, what it is is it's just not as intimidating as like if you get into a stock market or if you want to do real estate investment. The thing with Bitcoin is you can take any amount of money and you can go and play with it, exchange it, invest it, do things with it. Uh, what's been really great about being in Bitcoin is as I'm meeting people and talking with them, especially young people, uh, they start talking to me about Bitcoin. They get curious about it. And then they learn, you know, just by starting with small investments, which I'm not really familiar with anything out there right now where you can have small investment, not a lot of knowledge, and just kind of play with it and experiment. All right. Well, let me ask you a question then, because I, I also talk to people occasionally about Bitcoin, usually coworkers, um, and some of them happen to be younger than me. And so it's a little bit difficult to relate sometimes. Um, but one of the questions that they ask me that I find the most challenging to answer is, what is that? Like, what is Bitcoin? So when, when you're younger, I guess, cohorts, recruits, may, I don't know what to call them, um, you know, when you approach them, how do you answer that basic general question as far as, you know, how, how to talk to people about getting into Bitcoin who are, may not know anything about it, um, mostly because of their age? Well, I think I start out by saying it's a virtual currency and before I go on, I think I, I want to just make one thing clear. I'm a total novice. I don't claim to know a lot about investing in Bitcoin or the stock market or real estate. And I think that's why Bitcoin appeals to me because I've been playing with it. And even though I'm a novice, I feel like I am making some money and being able to move money around and there's not a lot of risk and loss, at least not that I'm seeing quite yet. But back to your original question, when I'm talking to new people, I do tell them that it's a virtual currency and they seem to be able to grasp that. Uh, and 
I don't know, with younger people, I, I don't think it's hard for them to understand that concept. Okay. Well, I guess that's a much better tack than me. Whenever I'm talking to coworkers, like my, my recent approach has just been, dude, are you in? And they're like, what? I'm like, dude, just say yes. Cause we're all getting in. Are you in? And then they'll say, like, yeah, I'm in. And then I explain it to them. And then they, you know, like the question comes up, like you said, like, what is Bitcoin? And I just go, um, it's money. It's, it's internet digital money. Like that's the, the basic way that I can explain it. And I don't try to, you know, I don't try to explain the blockchain or anything like that. I just say it's money that's currently going up in value and that we predict, especially here on the anarchist experience, that it will continue to go up in value for the foreseeable future. And if you're a fan of MC, you know, buy Monero, use your Bitcoin to buy Monero uh, because that's what he's into. Um, but for, for the novices, I say it's going up in value. So at this time, just buy some, right? And then watch it grow up in value and then use whatever gains that you have to then buy the stuff that you want. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, for, for me in particular, um, the goal is to not get out, right? The goal, the, the, the goal is to be uh, in a position where um, I have enough Bitcoin holdings to just buy the stuff that I want. Um, even to the point where I talked to uh, a, a friend um, and a former boss or maybe current boss, depending on how you look at it. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I will work for you more, um, but you got to pay me in Bitcoin, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm at that point where, you know, I've got the sign held up out front. Uh, we'll work for Bitcoin um, because, you know, I just, I, I, I want to take the lead uh, that MC has, you know, the path that MC has paved and be able to exist outside of the Federal Reserve System, outside of U.S. fiat currency, and just get to a point where I can buy goods and services um, using, you know, using Bitcoin or digital currency or cryptocurrency or whatever you, is you want to call it, but just not using state-run fiat money. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if I can make a ton of money uh, by investing this early on in, you know, in Bitcoin and, and you know, maybe a handful of other alt currencies, well, then, be, then I'll be better off in the future. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not at the point where I'm looking to retire or quit my job. Uh, I just go like, you know, uh, the, the way my brain works now is like everything is priced in Bitcoin. Uh, you know, like, oh, you're going to, you're going to buy that, you know, you're going you're gonna to buy that soda. Well, how many, how many Satoshis is that, you know, type of thing. Um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, any more thoughts from you on, on that or anything I've said so far? M. Well, I think, well, okay. So first of all, I do have to mention that there is a local um, store in town that apparently has a big window sign in the window that says that they will um, take Bitcoin that I've heard about. I didn't personally see it, but it is a store that gets lots of um, foot traffic that going by. So I thought that that was kind of cool. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think too much of how it affects the state as much as I just think it's a cool way to trade time and services as well. I was talking to one friend today. She does a lot of odd jobs and side work. And I was talking to her and telling her, you know, it'd be cool if she accepted Bitcoin as well as payment, because then she could then take that Bitcoin and maybe go straight to Whole Foods and buy something with that or what have you. So Bitcoin as payment, not instead of payment. Or I guess as payment. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just think it's really neat. Well, one thing I will say is, you know, it, we, we again we all follow MC's lead, um, and I've I've started uh, to to do a little bit of trading I guess um, on localbitcoins.com, um, and be, you know thank thank you state right you're not going to hear much of that from me uh, but thank you state for making it so damn difficult uh, for people to buy Bitcoin uh, easily in Hawaii uh, by kicking out all the exchanges. Um, that, that, that now they come to me on local Bitcoin, uh, to, to, to flip a little bit of coin. So I've, I, that's worked out. Um, and so far all the trades have gone smoothly with the exception of one. Um, and now this, this is really weird, right? So I've got, you know, I've got my, my ads up on local Bitcoins, if you're familiar with it. Uh, and I have, I have a fairly big ad, uh, you know, for a fairly large sum of money for most people, including myself. Um, and you know, someone responded to the ad and, you know, every, everything has gone smoothly for me so far. It's like, you know, we meet up, I count the cash, cash is good, I transfer the coin, um, no big deal. 
And so I, I, you know, was ready to trade with this person. I'm like, all right, come on over. Uh, let's go ahead and, and make this trade. Um, and then they got a little bit like cold feet because the dollar amount was so high. So they got a little bit cold feet and they said, well, can we meet someplace public? I was like, all right, now, now I'm already thinking, you know, you're already trying to change the agreement because I already said, come on over. Like, we're already planning to do this. Um, and now you want to meet somewhere public. So like, all right, where do you suggest? Right. And then the, 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 the response I got was, uh, how about the police station? Um, and I don't know about you, but anytime someone wants me to go anywhere near the police station, that's a giant red flag, um, especially uh, coming from, you know, the, the anarchist side of the anarchist experience. Um, I don't want to go anywhere near the police. I don't want to go anywhere the near, near the police station at all anyway, uh, let alone to conduct what some would consider an illegal business transaction or illegal business, you know, uh, uh, opportunities there. So I'm like, well, that's a red flag. You know, I'm not doing that. Um, think of something else. Um, you know, and, and they're like, well, I'm a little nervous to carry around that kind of money too. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to cancel this deal. And then we just, you know, deuces, right? Like we're just part ways at this point. Um, and they said, well, it, you know, it is a little sketchy, you know, to come in and, you know, danger and whatever. I was like, well, everyone else so far that I've dealt with has like initiated a small trade first, like a, a how do you do trade, you know, to, to get to know me, to, to go through the local Bitcoin process. Cause a lot of people are new um, to the scene, just like myself. Um, so we, you know, we were kind of like learning this together and it's kind of like, well, we'll start small and then we'll get bigger, um, as, as the trust, as the trust grows. Right. Um, and so they, they, they agreed again, like, okay, smaller amount, no big deal, no problem. Um, and then again, right. Like I'm, so I'm just waiting by my phone, ready, ready to, to, to handle my business. Um, and then I get a, I get a text saying like, okay, I'm at the local restaurant. I'm down the street by the restaurant. You know, can you come here? And at this point I was just, I was beyond frustrated because of all the back and forth. And, you know, so I, I texted him back. I was like, um, no, number one, no. And number two, like you can't keep changing the deal after the agreement has been made. Like, I don't know about you, but that's like one of the most important things to me, uh, is once we have an agreement, that's what we go with. You know, there's, there's no like negotiating after the contract is signed, like you negotiate and then the agreement's made and then you abide by it. Um, and this person was like, you know, having none of that and, and it got a little bit heated. Um, so I ended up blocking them on local bitcoins, uh, and then I ended up having to like, you know, uh, inform them of my ability and eagerness, uh, to defend my property. Should they try anything else? Um, you know, I was like, well, you, you know where I am, you know, because I told you to come over. And so I gave you the address. Um, so bad on me if you want to think about it like that, but you know, I, my house is armed and I'm armed. Um, and I already have a mean streak and I already have anger issues. Um, please, please show up, uh, and give me an excuse to unleash on you. Um, was kind of how I was feeling at the time, but they didn't show up. Um, but, but now I think it's going to be difficult for them, right? Because local Bitcoin, uh, you know, I don't know if you are aware of this M, um, has like, uh, a feedback system similar to eBay, right? And, and you can see how many people trust you, how many people blocked you. Uh, and this person had like zero transactions, zero trusted people, zero, 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 ever like completely brand new. And then they went and pissed me off. So I blocked them. So now everyone who looks at their account is, is going to show like zero transactions, zero trades and one person blocked. Um, and you can kind of, you know, figure out how difficult it's going to be for them to buy. Uh, you know, ho hopefully the other sellers will have a better opportunity, um, but they can also have the, the, the commission from this because I don't want to deal with a headache, um, but hopefully make it a little bit difficult for this person um, to, to, you know, to go ahead and make those trades um, just for being a douche. I mean, come on. Like every, every other person I dealt with was like, you know, uh, friendly and jovial and, oh man, this is so smooth. So great handshakes, hugs all around. Let's do this again sometime, uh, type of thing. And this one person finally, you know, it, it didn't take long, uh, but, but it was still more than I wanted to deal with, um, you know, going, going off the rails. Um, so if you can get on an exchange where you're at, uh, and you don't have to deal with, you know, the crazies out there, uh, might be for the best. So your thoughts on that? M. I don't have a comment for that. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into the articles? No. All right. 
Let's do it then. That was your MC tribute, by the way, because MC always wants to talk about Bitcoin. Um, and, and there's always something to talk about as far as Bitcoin is concerned. Um, so there's your little MC tribute if you were missing him and missing the Bitcoin talk. And now we go to the headlines. Headline, wrestling with IP. Headline, French parents reported to name police for calling their baby jihad. Headline, a communist utopia funded by capitalism. A headline, why are you surprised by authorita authoritarianism? A headline, judge calls NYPD's handling of precarious civil forfeiture database insane. A headline, eye-opening survey shows number one fear of U.S. terrorists, oh, excuse me, of U.S. citizens is government, not terrorism. Uh, headline, not music to cops' ears, singing driver ticketed for screaming? Uh, headline, our shocking acceptance of state-sanctioned violence? And finally, headline, uh, should lawmakers care how much fish is in a sustainable fish finger? Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, M? Let's start with the fish fingers. All right. Should lawmakers care how much fish is in a sustainable fish finger? Uh, earlier this week, while waiting for a flight home, I ate lunch at the O'Hare Airport outpost of The Publican, a fantastic meat-centric Chicago restaurant. I've eaten at their downtown location several times over the years, sampling from their menu foods such as beef heart tartare, uh, boudin blanc, and skate wings. Uh, the foods at the airport location are a little less interesting, though still far better than most airport food. After paying my bill and running to catch my flight, I noticed a cooler outside the restaurant that featured a variety of beverages. Garden variety sodas, including orange Fanta, bottled water, energy drinks, and the like. Uh, none would have been out of place at your local 7-Eleven. Then, I glanced at the top of the case and was stopped bemusedly in my tracks. It featured signage billing the sodas and whatnot with as Local Sustainable Delicious. Hmm. Orange flavored Fanta? A friend pointed out may be delicious, but it, along with everything else in the case, was neither local nor sustainable by any reasonable definition of these words. I halted to snap a photo of the case. Although I almost missed my flight in the process, it was a worthwhile delay. The photo says so much, I think about the length marketers in general, food marketers specifically, and here, restaurants will go to choose language that tells us what we want to hear in an effort to earn our business. Uh, the next morning, still chuckling about the experience, thanks to a friend who'd commented on Facebook post I'd made about the local, sustainable, and delicious canned and bottled drinks. I happened upon a story about this week's season debut of Tricked of the Rest or Tricks of the Restaurant Trade, a show from Britain's Channel 4 that uncovers artifices restaurants use to attract customers and maximize profits, and educates customers about how not to get snookered. The show, which debuted last year, explores how consumers can get the best experience when dining out. Every restaurant uses glowing adjectives and enticing descriptions to encourage their customers to buy more of its food, uh, the Daily Mail reported this week in a piece on the debut of the show's current season. But if you see the words handmade, home-cooked, or fresh, then don't fall for the claim's hook, line, and sinker, as the food may not, be, may not live up to its label. Uh, if the show were American, I suspect a large part of its focus, like most television consumer investigations, would be to call for more regulations to rein in the big evil food companies that deceive us. Uh, thankfully, after watching a few clips from Tricks of the Restaurant Trade, I detected no such bent to the program. What I did see, though, was some good basic consumer education. The idea that food sellers or anyone selling anything at all want to make their product appear somehow better than they are is hardly anything new. Uh, neither are investigations into the practice. A Wall Street Journal video from 2014, for example, uh, looked at sly tricks restaurants use to get you to spend more for your meal. Uh, in legal circles, the practice is known as puffery, which this brilliantly titled article, the world's most trusted article on puffery, describes eloquently. Puffery falls short of fraud. Uh, nevertheless, these practices have faced increased bureaucratic scrutiny in recent years, EU regulators are currently looking to crack down on food producers that market foods of different qualities in different countries without declaring so by, for example, marketing higher quality juicer bread in France than in Poland, but selling both under the same label. 
I will not accept that in some parts of Europe, people are sold food of lower quality than in other countries, despite the packaging and branding being identical, says Jean-Claude Juncker, president of the European Commission, in a speech last month announcing the new guidelines. Uh, Slovaks do not deserve less fish in their fingers, he added. Uh, Neither, I might add, do Slovaks and other Europeans necessarily deserve more regulators' fingers in their fish. Uh, In recent years, there have been some rumblings about bringing the fish finger approach to the United States. Uh, Thankfully, those plans seem to have been held at bay for now. Tricks of the restaurant trade and investigations like it serve as a valuable tool for educating consumers and help mitigate the need for costly, burdensome, and intrusive regulations. Cheers to more of the former and less of the latter. Uh, End of the article. Uh, So your thoughts, M, on using uh, consumer education as opposed to government regulation uh, to hold restaurants in this specific case or other businesses accountable uh, to their claims uh, in general. I always think education is good, especially when it comes for consumers. But I think that the people that really need to get educated are the actual restauranters. Go on. I don't think they understand what they're doing. They may think that they're getting a profit but in the long run they're really not in what sense well i think it's like fake customer satisfaction again i'm not i'm not exactly understanding the point you're trying to make right like i work at a restaurant um and so you know i i don't do any of the marketing but i do think that we serve you know fairly high quality food uh for the price without the fraudulent claims so when you say the restaurants need to be educated, are you saying that uh, restaurants in general or a lot of restaurants don't know uh, the difference between Fanta soda and handcrafted, uh, you know, brews or beers? Are, are you saying that they don't know uh, where their, their food is being sourced from so they don't they can't make an educated claim to consumers about it? Like I'm not clear what, what, what the point you're trying to make is. Well, my initial gut reaction would have been... I do think that restaurants that mislead people should get some type of repercussion. And what I was really saying... Governmental repercussion or market repercussions? Being raised in the States, my initial jerk reaction was governmental repercussions. But the original thought that ran through my head was restauranters should get punished because they're being stupid. And then I thought about what I said a little bit more. And when I realized I was basically judging that the restaurateurs were being stupid I kind of thought maybe they need education I don't know exactly what type of education but something that might cause them to understand how misleading people just isn't good so your initial reaction just so now I'm clear your initial reaction was yes the restaurant should be punished and the first thing that you could think of was to bring in the guns of the state uh, to either fine, suspend, or shut down the restaurant uh, to show those dar- dirty capitalists uh, what fur and, and you know, to, to penalize them for misleading consumers. And I think what the article is getting to and what uh, we would advocate here on, on this show, at least I would, uh, is, you know, the, is the general feeling that the market can handle this, right? So if, if it comes to light, uh, that a restaurant is, you know, uh, misleading or defrauding consumers in some way. Um, yes, right there, there should be, there should be, I'm going to say civil uh, repercussions because I would consider that, you know, a, a contract violation of sorts, right? They're, the restaurant is claiming to providing, be providing you with a, a certain type of good, um, and they're not, right? And so they're 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 stealing from you uh, in the form of of delivering false goods, right? They're they're not giving you uh, the product that you're paying for, they're giving you something else. So they're, they're actually taking from you. Um, and what I would say is, yes, you could then, you know, civilly or, you know, uh, you know, if we're talking about libertarian paradise or the anarchist utopia or anything like that, um, you know, you take the test, take the restaurant tour to arbitration, uh, to see what can be done. But I also think, uh, word of mouth is a big, uh, you know, has a big impact. Um, if you just start spreading the word, right. You start telling people, um, you know, that, Hey, the, the restaurant isn't serving the type of food that they're claimed to be serving. Uh, it's not local, local, sustainable, organic, and fresh. Um, and, and I can prove it. 
right? And then here, here's the evidence to support that. Um, and I think, you know, the, the incentive for the restaurant owner uh, would not be to do that because, you know, the, the harm to the business, right? If they're, if they're seeking a profit motive, uh, the harm done to the business is so great uh, for getting caught in a lie like that, um, that it would, it would put them out of business with no uh, intervention from the state required. Right. They would just they would just be, you know, out of business uh, for defrauding and and, you know, and and lying to consumers about what's being served. Um, but I also think, you know, when in the author's original example where you have, you know, local local, sustainable, fresh Fanta soda, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how much education is required uh, by by any party uh, in that aspect of it where, you, you know, you just go, well, it's just a sign. Right. There, no, no one, no one's going to believe that. Um, and so I don't know how harmful that is, uh, you know, to, to the consumer or to society in general, uh, if a restaurant, you know, is, is so over the top, um, with their marketing, um, that it just, it, it, you know, it, the, the, it doesn't pass the reasonable man test, right? Like Pepsi ran into this, uh, years ago, if anyone remembers like the Har- the Harrier jet, uh, promotion, if you got a certain number of Pepsi points, uh, and the, you know, the shakeout with that, right. It was like, you know, it was, it was, it was offered, um, as satire. Um, and I think, you know, it, through a handful of legal battles, um, it was decided that yes, the reasonable man would not look at that commercial and view it as a reasonable offer by the company and therefore should be taken as satire or not taken at face value and be thrown out. Um, so, so when you have things like, you know, uh, s- sustainable local fresh Fanta soda, I don't think anyone believes that. And I don't think that's going to be a big issue. Um, but if you're telling people that you're serving, you know, uh, grass fed, uh, you know, Kobe beef, uh, you know, for your steaks and actually, you know, you, 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 you're, you're buying frozen ribeyes, uh, from Costco or something like that. Um, I, I would say that there's definitely some fraud there. Uh, and if you're lucky, you have a whistleblower in the kitchen willing to, to point that fact out, um, you know, to consumers. Now, again, not necessarily uh, to, to get the state involved, but just people let people know what's going on. Um, and that's where the education comes in. So shows like uh, Tricks of the Restaurant Trade or any, you know, any other show like that, um, you know, that, that can be produced for consumers to better educate them about what's being sold. Um, you know, I, I would see that as a good form of education. Um, I'm still not clear what you mean by, you know, uh, educate the restaurant tours or educate the, the, the producers. Um, like, you know, how, how would you, how would you educate them in, in being better human beings? I think that there's, I honestly don't know how to educate people in being better human beings. I just know that if people really were to see the cost of like the environment, health, just social costs of what they're doing, people might make different choices. Don't you think people already have that opportunity uh, again by consumer education about those companies that don't bear uh, any social responsibility and then have the uh, opportunity to not shop at those places or, or buy goods and services from companies that uh, fail to serve the you know the the public uh, or the environmental or the social good. Um, and if you can get enough people on your side, then just like I said, those companies end up out of business, right? There, there's no need to intervene or to educate. Uh, you just kind of like, you know, let the market decide, um, you know, what, what's what. And the, the companies that are sustainable, that, you know, do care for the environment, that do donate to charity or whatever it is you want them to do. Uh, those are the companies that you can support um, and, you know, and obviously probably pl- pay a premium, uh, for, you know, for, for the, the social benefit, being able to signal to everybody uh, how great of a consumer you are from only buying from naturally fresh, organic companies. Um, and then if you can get everyone on your side to do it, then that's just, you know, that's the way things move, right? All, all, those, all those things usually take place in the marketplace. Um, and then some politician will jump out in front of the parade and run with it and say like, oh, no, no, uh, you know, pe- people need clean air. Um, so we're going to regulate these industries and these businesses, um, but it was already moving in that direction, right? Like the, the politicians follow the consumer demands and consumer support um, and wouldn't be necessary because as, as go the consumers, so go the producers. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, I, in, one, in one argument, you're basically saying that the consumers have the power by showing what they choose and what they support. 
But then on the other hand, this article is saying things like they can easily be manipulated. And the reason why people can easily be manipulated is because they can't think for themselves. I'm confused how that exists. Well, I'm not necessarily agreeing with the article completely, right? I don't I don't only pull articles that I agree with 100% for show prep, number one. Um, but if you're saying that consumers can be misled, uh, you're right, right? People can be defrauded. That's why there's a term for it. Um, and it's not so much, you know, that, that they can be defrauded. It's what's the solution to that uh, once it's come to light. And I would say that, you know, in a case of, of fraud, uh, the consumer, right, has a... Has, uh, a financial obligation, if you will, uh, to, to get, uh, you know, to, to get restitutions, I guess, from the producer who defrauded them, right? That's, that's, that's one issue, uh, or one solution to that aspect of it, right? Can people def- be defrauded? Yes. Are they entitled to, to restitutions? Absolutely. Um, how do you prevent the fraud from happening in the first place? Or what do you do once it's come to light? And I'm saying that you leave up to the marketplace because once someone gets defrauded, they can then like, you know, share their voice with the world and let everyone else know that, hey, this company defrauded me. Um, you know, you, you probably should not do business with them uh, in the future either, uh, lest you get defrauded yourself or at least run the risk of, of ending up, you know, like me who's just been defrauded. So I don't, I don't think necessarily that consumers are stupid or easily manipulated, um, but I think it's another one of those issues that, you know, we've discussed in, in, on the show in the past. And that's, you know, the, the time issue, right? The, 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 you know, the, the opportunity cost of educating yourself in every aspect of your life. And to do that is a burden for everybody. So at some point, um, you know, you, you kind of throw your hands up a little bit and say, you know, I'm going to take someone else's word on this because it's just not economical for me to, to do all the research. Right. When you go to the grocery store, do you do you know where your lettuce is grown? Well, no, because you didn't see it grown. Right. Right. You know, even even if you go to the to the farm. Right. You know, do you know what fertilizer was used to grow the lettuce? Uh, no, because you didn't plant it. Right. You, you have no idea. So at some at some level, uh, you take people's words or you, you, know, you look to a, a, I'm going to say a regulatory agency. That's not the state, right? Like a consumer reports or, you, uh, or underwriters laboratory or something to that effect to, to do the research for you. Um, and then when they have enough, you know, experience built up and goodwill built up from their perspective, uh, then you say, well, I trust underwriters laboratory. I trust consumer reports. I trust uh, tricks of the restaurant trade to provide accurate information where I don't have to do all the research uh, myself. Because if you had to learn everything about everything, um, you're, you're, you would have no real life uh, because there would be no other time to get anything else done. Um, does that kind of answer your question or concern? Yes. All right. And one other thing that I will mention, because I, you know, um, I've, I've, I've been doing a little shopping, I, I'll admit it. Um, and a lot of my stuff is getting like shipped over from China. And so I was thinking to myself, man, there's, there's got to be, if, if this stuff's already coming from China... Um, I already, I understand, you know, the quality issues along with that. And I went, well, there's got to be like a, a better place to buy this stuff. Um, and so I've, I've, you know, I've gone on, um, it's called AliExpress. So like a, an Alibaba company, which is basically like, you know, their version of direct to, con- direct to consumer sales from the manufacturer. Um, and so I've looked up, I've looked at a couple of things that I've already purchased to just to compare um, and one of the, one of the things that, you know, I, I now need to take into consideration is that a lot of things look the same. Um, but if you look at the detailed adverts for them, um, it's, you know, made of different materials or different qualities of materials, or, you know, the, the pictures don't exactly match, uh, what the product is. And I go, Hmm, I wonder, I wonder if what I've already bought is what I thought I was buying based on the description of the ad at the time, now knowing that these descriptions look exactly the same as what I bought, um, but are different from what I bought. Um, and so, you know, so, so for me, it's like, you know, do, do I, do I risk, um, you know, buying direct from the Chinese manufacturer, uh, based on their description and saving a couple of bucks, uh, or do I go through the, you know, the United States distributor for it, um, and where, where, you know, I, I have a little bit more recourse 
or have a little bit more opportunity to ask the questions about, you know, quality and, and materials, um, you know, and, and, you know, whatever consumer recourse I have, uh, if I'm defrauded in that sense. Um, and in some cases it might be right where I go, well, in order to save the money, right, as a consumer who doesn't have the time to do all the research and find out exactly where the leather's coming from, uh, for the belt or for the shoes or for, you know, or for, or, or for whatever, or, uh, what type of metal it is, you know, for the, for the knives that I'm, I've been looking at purchasing. Um, you know, I just go like, well, it's probably good enough for my purposes and it's 20 bucks cheaper, um, than the United States seller as a consumer, Right, I have the opportunity to to do the research and to query the manufacturer, and even then, I'm taking them at their word. Or I can just say, you know what, I, I trust what they say, or I trust this particular distributor, and I'm just going to spend the money and buy the product because I know I'm saving money in the long run um, by not worrying about those things. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on this article or consumer education in general? I just think that, eh, no. All right, moving on. All right, headline. Wrestling with IP uh, from the Free Press Publications. Now, I pulled this article um, because for me personally, uh, it's, you know, two two of my favorite pastimes, uh, right? You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of professional wrestling, um, and I'm a, I'm a big, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enemy? Uh, adversary? of intellectual property and i don't know how to fix it but you know if, if you look at some of the ip for this show the anarchist experience uh, real anarchists don't believe in ip so i don't really care what you do with it steal it t- tell people it's yours because i've got all the masters um and i can you know prove on the spot that you're taking my content and using it anyway which you can do i just you know call it yours if you want to and you'll be lying to people and i'll know the truth so i'm not a big fan of ip but i am a big fan of professional wrestling so when i came across this article i knew Right away that we have to talk about it. So wrestling with IP. Uh, It's not often that professional wrestling or sports entertainment, as Vince McMahon likes to call it, enters the mainstream of society. However, a small group of wrestlers known as the Bullet Club, who are not part of McMahon's WWE, were able to get their merchandise on the shelves and racks of Hot Topic, a clothing chain with 642 locations across the country. As a matter of fact, some Bullet Club members aren't signed to exclusive contracts with any one company and have the ability to wrestle across the globe for such promotions such as Ring of Honor in the U.S., New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan, WCPW in the U.K., and others. And with much success in the ring and out, Deadspin reports, uh, not even counting the shirts, the Young Bucks, a team of brothers, Matt and Nick Jackson, who are members of the Bullet Club, are probably the highest paid non-WWE American wrestlers. Uh, and stepping out of the article real quick, uh, just my two cents on that. Without a doubt, the best tag team working today. Uh, back into the article. Uh, as you probably guessed, their success has caught the attention of McMahon, who has been unable to sign the popular duo. Uh, in a throwback to a storyline from 19, from WWE in the late 1990s, the Young Bucks, along with other members of the Bullet Club, filmed an invasion of a WWE event. Uh, the invasion involved the wrestlers using bullhorns to talk to a couple dozen fans for several hours before the WWE event. And then the wrestlers and fans walked around the outside of the vent- venue chanting, Too Sweet, uh, a catchphrase popularized by former WWE wrestling faction, The Click. Uh, the next day, WWE sent a cease and desist letter to the Young Bucks over the too sweet catchphrase and hand gesture. Uh, index finger and pinky finger are raised while the thumb touches the tip of the middle two fingers. Uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet reports, WWE is demanding that the Young Bucks stop using WWE intellectual property in ring and on any merchandise immediately. If not, they may be hit with $150,000 in damages or more. Uh, There's just one legal problem with the WWE's demand. Uh, WWE doesn't own the trademark on the gesture or the phrase. 
Uh, back in 2015, WrestlingNews.co reported uh, that WWE was looking to trademark the hand signal that was used by members of the NWO in the late 90s and currently being used by the Bullet Club on shows and on Bullet Club merchandise, according to a 2011 press release. Uh, North Carolina State University owns the trademark, a fact acknowledged by the WWE. Uh, the man who popularized the gesture in the 1990s, Kevin Nash, recently said, uh, if they want to call it too sweet, that's fine. To me, it's like, really? I'm sure somebody threw the peace sign up for the first time. Uh, what are you going to get intellectual rights on that? And AJ Styles, a former Bullet Club member who is now wrestling in WWE, said, I think it's legal for everyone to use it and have a good time with it. Uh, whether one agrees with the concept of intellectual property or not, from a legal standpoint, if NC State isn't trying to stop people from using their gesture without first asking permission, uh, WWE doesn't have a leg on which to stand. Regardless, the Young Bucks have taken the cease and, disorder, cease and desist order in stride, putting out merchandise mocking the order, and that makes the entire situation just too sweet. Uh, and I've seen those shirts. They're amazing. Um, so your thoughts uh, on this, uh, you know, if, if you're a wrestling fan, number one, uh, but also uh, stopping people from using hand gestures uh, and, and verbalizing words uh, because of, of intellectual property and trademark copyrights. Well, because I'm new to understanding the philosophy of anarchy, I actually, before I answer that question, want to understand what your dislike of intellectual property is. Uh, well, for the most part, it's a restriction on what I can and cannot do with things that I own and possess, right? So if, if, if intellectual property in this sense, right, doesn't allow me to put my index finger and pinky in the air and touch my thumb uh, to my middle and ring finger, right, then that's a restriction on my liberty as a human being. Um, and if you want to get into like intellectual property as far as uh, movies and music, which was a big deal, uh, in the early aughts and still kind of a big deal now, um, it's a restriction on what I can and cannot do with my with my media, right? Like th they're saying that you can't put certain songs uh, or certain videos on my hard drive, right? Yeah, I paid for the hard drive. I paid for the hard drive space. Uh, it's mine, right? And if you want to talk about, you know, prior to that in, in books um, and, you know, copyrights in general, uh, it's a restriction on how I can move my pen across paper, uh, you know, pen being in my ownership, paper being in my ownership, uh, because somewhere, some, because somewhere, someone uh, has written those words in that order uh, prior to me getting my hands on it. Does that uh, does that answer your question? Yes, but then how does that work with, I guess, compensation for? Does it only work with goods or services? Don't count. Uh, be more specific with services. Like, how do you? How do you uh, copyright a service? Well, if you go back to like music, right? Okay. The artist produces music and we pay for their song. Well, you pay for their song. I download it and I listen to it just the same. So that doesn't warrant stealing or I mean, I'm trying to understand this. Uh, it's my hard drive space that the ones and zeros are occupying. So I'm not stealing anything uh, because to steal something implies that something has gone missing on the other end uh, and nothing is missing, right? The, the, the songwriter or the artist who performed the song is still able to perform the song. Um, you know, if you're talking about like copying a CD, the original owner of the CD still possesses that disc, uh, nothing has gone missing. Nothing was stolen. Nothing is. Nothing has disappeared uh, from the universe. In, in, in fact, it has multiplied into the universe. And now there's an abundance of goods uh, to, you know, abundance of music in, in your example uh, for people to listen to as opposed to uh, artificial scarcity uh, in, in a world of, you know, in a world of abundance uh, brought forth by intellectual property uh, and the philosophy behind it. So in... What is it anarcho-capitalism? It applies mostly to physical goods, is what you're saying. Uh, I'm still not sure how you're uh, implying that it can be applied to a service, because when you said music, you went to you know they they produce the music, but I you know so if you're talking about like producing music at a concert, um, there's no way that I can reproduce that. I don't have the skills uh, or the the equipment uh, to perform the same music 
uh, as the original artist, nor do I have the same voice uh, as the original performer. So it'd be, it'd be prohibitively difficult for me to provide uh, concert services to anyone um, in the same manner uh, that, you know, that say Metallica could since they were the, the biggest uh, IP assholes back in the day. Okay, I understand where you're coming from a little bit. As far as this goes, I think I agree with AJ Styles. Uh, that it's legal for everyone to use and have a good time with it? Yes. So in this case, you're okay with it because it's insignificant to to the the global ideals or you just you're you're coming around uh, on the ideals of intellectual property and how it applies uh, absent the state I think that in some cases like this people go overboard with IP issues um, I am still learning so I'm not completely convinced as far as some music issue music circumstances go but I can kind of see, I mean, but this in my mind is clearly a little bit over the top. Okay. So if you, if you are not convinced, what part, like we'll, we'll take a step out of the article. Um, what part are you not convinced by and what issues do you still have with me being able to do with I please with the things that I own? Mm, I have to think about it more. I mean, like everything else in our conversations, because we've had many conversations about anarchy as you put these ideas into my head, I just have to mull it over and just kind of see what, you know, applying it, I guess, in real everyday application. See, and and you would think then that the WWE would learn uh, from their past IP issues uh, in terms of, you know, in in terms of their performers and what their performance can do. Uh, Because if anyone remembers the original NWO, um, you know, after after the actors who portrayed the characters of Diesel and Razor Ramon parted ways with the WWE uh, to take on the monikers of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash uh, as part of the NWO and WCW at the time, um, you know, the, the WWE was under the claim that, well, we own the trademarks and copyrights to the characters named Razor Ramon and Diesel. Uh, and since you, lowly performer, are just an actor portraying a character... Uh, we'll just replace you and have other people play these characters and call them the same thing. So for for a while uh, in the WWE, there was fake Razor Ramon and and fake Diesel, um, and you can imagine how well that went over uh, with the crowd. So <laughs> you you would think that they would just give up on that. Um, and the other person having an issue with that, you know, right now um, is the the uh, I don't know if he's current Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, because their their television production does not always line up with reality, and I don't read the dirt sheets. Um, Cody, right? You know, uh, son of Dusty Rhodes, uh, wife, uh, husband of Brandy Rhodes, uh, but but don't call him Cody Rhodes uh, because the WWE has that trademark as well, right? Uh, so he has lost his name, um, you know, in 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 the wrestling circles uh, simply because of a trademark issue when everyone knows who he is. Right. And it's and it's not even because necessarily because of the WWE that he has built that name and built that moniker. It just happens to be, you know, the uh, a name that runs in his family, uh, even if it's not his birth name. Right. And, you know, it's just another another dumb thing um, that the WWE does to protect their intellectual property, which is, you know, so steal their stuff and download their shows because, you know, uh, for the most part, screw them for for taking that aspect or taking that uh, hard line on certain things. Uh, but yeah, you know when it, when it when it comes to intellectual property, the WWE has a thing, um, and it's another reason why they don't allow many performers to to perform under their given name. Uh, because if you come to the WWE with your personal trademark, um, you know in tow. Uh, they know that they can't control that if you ever decide to leave. So they 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 change your name or they do something different uh, to bring you in to prevent you uh, from carrying it along with you. Um, and there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, I will grant, um, but it it is it it has been rare in the past, uh, even though it's becoming more prevalent um, today. And I think a lot of that is because you know performers are making a name for themselves uh, outside of the WWE. And, you know, have taken to, you know, uh, holding on to their intellectual property 
in the process, right? You know, they, they you know, like the young bucks, right? Uh, there is no wrestling company uh, that that has the, the ownership over the wrestling team name known as the young bucks. Uh, so wherever they go, it, it would behoove them uh, to use that name when they're performing uh, so that they can't be pigeoned into something else or lose it uh, when they move on. Uh, and, you know, the, it's, it's, it's just another reason to be a fan of the Young Bucks um, is their uh, defiance uh, in, in the face of, you know, the, the behemoth that the WWE is and still be the best tag team uh, on the circuit today, putting on matches, you know, and, and main eventing all over the world um, where most of the WWE uh, talent uh, couldn't hold a candle to those performances. And to hang on to that intellectual property in the face and to, to you know, just be defiant uh, against the WWE is, is commendable uh, and makes me a, a bigger fan of theirs uh, and of the real Bullet Club, uh, not the Balor Club, not the club or any other, you know, ripoff, you know, talk about ripoff, right? Any other uh, variation that the WWE wants to use uh, for, for, for performers currently in the WWE, uh, but that were former members of the real Bullet Club. Uh, any more thoughts on this article? Well, I, I kind of think that WWE is in an interesting predicament because it's not reality TV, and they say that it's entertainment or performing. So what I start thinking about is groups and TV shows like Journey, right? Like they lost their main singer, Steve Perry, and he went off and did his own thing. But the band's still called Journey. And it would be weird if Steve Perry started a new band and called it Journey. You know? And, or like a TV show where I think Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where halfway through like the eight years or seven years they're on TV, don't quote me on that, they changed the aunt, who is one of the main characters, with a different actress the actress doesn't leave and start her own TV show. I mean, you know, so it's, I get what you're saying, but because WWE also says that they're all what entertainers, you know, it, if you think of other entertaining shows or like, you know, if I think of entertainment and I think of like TV shows and music groups, like I just mentioned it, the flip of the flip side of that in my mind wouldn't work either. Like it actually makes complete sense. And I'm not saying it should be regulated by government, but what I'm saying is people would think the opposite. They would think it's weird if that happened, if I, I don't know. I think I hear what you're saying, and I kind of agree with you that it would be weird for, you know, the lead singer of Journey to then start a band and call it Journey. Um, but I don't, I, don't think the, I don't think what's preventing him from doing that is that he doesn't own the IP for, you know, for the band name Journey, right? I, I you know, just, just like when other bands break off or form, you know, super groups or anything like that, it, it seems to be, uh, common sense trumping legalities that prevent those odd situations, uh, from occurring, right? You know, the, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, example that you gave as well, right? It's, it happens, but it's weird, right? When, when you have a new actor or actors come in and play the same role, uh, that was that's previously been held by somebody else. Um, I think it takes people out of the story uh, because it breaks continuity, right? You you watch you watch TV, you watch entertainment, you watch movies, um, and you you suspend your disbelief uh, for a moment to allow yourself to open up to that world and to that form of storytelling. And it's always weird, right? It's always weird when a new actor or a new per or actress or whatever. Uh, takes on the role of of a uh, of a uh, you know a main character uh, in such a way that it, it you go like well that's that's not the person that's that's clearly not right um, you know I, the the example that I'll throw out currently right is you know with with the X Men right everyone knows who Wolverine is right Hugh Jackman is Wolverine um, through all the iterations of the X Men movies uh, it's been him and I, I think it's 
if they ever changed that, right? If they ever, you know, if they, if they ever made a new X-Men movie or a new Logan or a new Wolverine movie, uh, and it's not Hugh Jackman, uh, especially in the near, near future, um, it's going to be weird. And I, and I think it'll be difficult for people to suspend their disbelief in a manner that allows that form to be as successful as it could have been if they just kept, you know, the, the main actor in place. Now, that being said, um, you know, as, as we move down the line, um, you know, there, there's been many actors that play many different roles, but it's always, the, the change is always like a reboot of some kind and saying, and, and the audience knows that this is a starting over point, right? Like we, we're now into our like third iteration of Spider-Man, um, you know, uh, how I, I, it, it, I can't even count, uh, how many actors have played Batman, um, but if you're a Batman fan, right, the only Batman is Adam West, uh, and everyone else is just kind of like pretenders, right? Like that's that's the Batman that most people know, love, and remember, and everyone else just kind of you know is is attempting to do their best to fill those shoes as best they can, um, you know. And and again, a lot of it's you know uh, prior to his passing was just because you know he he just not fit for the role at that point in his career. Um, but it also pigeonholed him into, you know, into always being, you know, Batman in some kind. Uh, as far as when people saw him playing other roles, it, it was also odd because they associated him with that character. So to, to, to you know, if we take it back to, to wrestling in the WWE, it's a little difficult for when, when performers jump ship and take different monikers, completely different monikers than what people know, like, and remember uh, it takes you out of the story and it's a disservice uh, to the fans and to the consumers than just to allow them to carry on uh, with what people know, love and remember, um, regardless of IP. Right. You know, like, you know, um, I don't have a I can't think of an example right off the top of my head, um, you know, but OK, I got one like, you know, uh, Bully Ray, uh, Team 3D, the Dudley Boys. Right. Everyone knows they're the Dudley Boys. Um, but no, but when they're not in the WWE, right, they have, they, they have to come up with some odd little difference, right? Instead of Bubba Ray Dudley, it's just Bully Ray or Bubba Ray or Brother Ray or Brother Devon or, you know, something to that effect, um, where people, where, where people are in on it, right? They go like, well, yeah, we know they, we know they can't use, you know, what they're, what they've been known as for most of their career, uh, because of some BS in intellectual property, uh, but this is close enough, right? Um, when, when they did the, when the ECW reunion shows uh, came around and it wasn't a WWE produced shows, um, all your fan favorites, right? The people you know and love to see all of a sudden had weird names uh, to avoid intellectual property, but we all know who they really are. Right. And it's just a disservice to us fans um, and, and, you know, to the consumer to 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 say, like, well, we know, you know who this is, but we can't say who this is uh, because this other company owns the intellectual property to who this person is or who they played for most of their career. So it's just it's, in my opinion, stupid. Uh, you know, you want to go back to the to stupid consumers or stupid producers or stupid uh, companies. Uh, it's just stupid to not allow that to happen. Um, but luckily, you know, guys like AJ Styles um, have built a career uh, around their own IP and their own name where even in the WWE, they're allowed to keep it. Um, and it, it just shows, you know, it just shows what's possible uh, if you if you do it the right way. Um, you can work just about anywhere and not have to worry about it. Well, what's really interesting is I was listening to you talk about how it's a disservice to fans and consumers and in anarcho-capitalism, doesn't it isn't it about having the power, like the the consumers having the power to change market? So are you saying that in this case, the consumers don't have that same power to, I don't know, make a stand? Make I mean, like when we we're talking about food, right? You were saying if someone was misled or defrauded, you could have someone, you could just you know by word of mouth tell people this is what happened and ideally they would stop going to that restaurant but in this case I, I'm trying to understand like what would be the approach for the consumer to I don't know well if you want to talk about this this particular article specifically what the young bucks have done is make a mockery of it 
And what the fans have done is chanted too sweet, even louder and held up the hand signs even more vigorously than they did before. Um, you know, in, in a symbolic, uh, middle finger to the WWE, right? The young bucks now have a shirt that says like cease and desist, uh, on it, you know, covering up the, the hand gesture. Uh, and I've seen in the, in ring of honor crowds, um, little, uh, I want to call them like hand puppets or, or little, uh, hand trinket toys or whatever. Um, where when you pinch your fingers into the hand gesture, uh, that is disallowed by the IP of the WWE, uh, it's, it's a, it's a little, uh, you know, piece of plastic that says censored. So it's basically, you know, covering up, um, the, the, the WWE IP, but also making a mockery of it at the same time to show that, no, 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 this is stupid. Uh, you, you can censor us, um, but we're still going to make money off that censorship and the fans in this case, right? Because, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, in a, in, a, in an ANCAP world would have more power, um, you know, fans and consumers, uh, you know, would, it would be, it's prohibitively difficult to go, okay, we're going to petition our representatives and we're going to go try to change the laws for intellectual property uh, so that, you know, in the future, the WWE can't behave this way. Um, you know, so please, Mr. Senator, please pass a law, you know, and, and you know, uh, and go through the, the state channels um, to do it. Like, the, you know, it's, 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 our hands are tied. Right. So the, the only thing we can do uh, is, you know, put our money where our mouth is and buy the Young Bucks merchandise, support the Young Bucks, support, you know, the, the other up and coming wrestling promotions um, and, you know, throw up the middle finger to the WWE and say, well, no, I'm not going to financially support you. Uh, and in, in the hopes that, you know, uh, by supporting these other smaller organizations, uh, they'll be financially able to rise and compete against the WWE, hopefully sooner than later. And yet, WWE still remains, and I could be wrong, but let me know. Doesn't don't they have like the market share in this industry? Like they remain number one. So I don't really see them hurting or suffering for doing any of this. So, aren't the fans, even though they might be upset about it, by them still continuing to support WWE, they must not be that upset about it, like that much. That's fair. And that's, you know, that's each individual's fan's choice on who to financially support. Um, but if you if you look at, you know, long-term trends, the WWE is not nearly as popular uh, as it once was. You know, it, it had its recent heyday um, during the Attitude Era of the 90s and has struggled uh, to, to reach those same heights as far as um, popular acceptance in the mainstream that they had back then. Um, so yes, they're number one. Yes, you know, they have the market share. Yes, they have the financial resources, you know, to to pin down these other organizations and these performers, um, you know, just by, you know, suing them out of existence, basically, if they wanted to. Um, and yes, you know, it is it is the fans choice. And, you know, I, I, I can say, um, you know, that I pirate all the shows because I, you know, it's just easier for me that way. Um, but if, if I was like throwing my uh, virtual vote to, to one organization or the other, um, I would not rank the WWE at the top of my list, uh, even though they're all out there, you know, trying to protect their IP as best they can. I think if you eliminate the intellectual property, what you're doing is you're, you're being more consumer focused, more consumer centric and allowing things to occur naturally. And I think with WWE's popularity and market share now even if you were to start up a wrestling company and call it World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, no one would buy that, right? Like there, the, it's the it's it's the first mover advantage. If you want to take it back to Bitcoin, it's the reason why I'm not concerned about like any Bitcoin hard forking, uh, because Bitcoin will always be Bitcoin. It's built up that brand, uh, you know, even as a decentralized service, it's built up that brand uh, to a point where no one else in the near future is going to be able to usurp it. Um, by simply calling it the same thing, right? You, you, you have other wrestling organizations and you have the WWE um, and the fans choose the WWE, which gives them that market share. Um, but when it comes to things like intellectual property and preventing it, uh, I think they're acting in the disservice of the fans and that fans should stop supporting that type of behavior. But I also can't make them, right? I, I can just highly suggest 
uh, that they do something and recommend, uh, you know, something that they can do, but just like everything else, that's all I can do is offer suggestions. Your thoughts? I think I've expressed all my thoughts on the subject. All right. Uh, we're running long on the show, so we're going to wrap it. Uh, any final thoughts on anything we've discussed so far today? No, but I do want to thank you for allowing me to be a co-host. All right. And not bad for a co-host on the first try. So, you know, uh, a, a, a big thumbs to the side, maybe not a full thumbs up, but a definitely a thumbs to the side on, on your first shot uh, sitting in for MC. Uh, we'll welcome MC back anyway, because, hey, why not? He's been with us the longest and he runs the board and the phone. So we need him. Uh, so come on back, MC. Uh, but that'll do it for us, everybody, this week. Thank you very much for listening. You know where to find us, uh, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to join in a discussion, see what we post for show prep or, or post your own so you know what we want to talk about. Uh, just We do that through the Facebook groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. And if you want to donate financially to the show, uh, we do that through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Um, and I did tell a friend that we were going to talk about uh, the, the French kid named Jihad. So sorry we didn't get to that, buddy. Uh, maybe another time. Uh, but that's it for us this week. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.